I always thought you shouldn't let a, a, a Tibetan behind the steering wheel. Do you relate to American jazz, blues, rock and roll as having possibilities? Maybe uh, jazz has more possibilities. Blues has more possibilities, but rock and roll has lesser possibilities. Spirit in this case is a sense of uh, inquisitiveness. There's something might have happened. There's a possibility something's taking place. Trumpa was the head and I was the heart. Things like soul, God, Ram and Krishna. That seems like cluttered compared to him. The shaking fist in the ocean of the city. No ups and downs. Some sense of equilibrium, natural state of existence. How could an enlightened person do that? I do not. I can't buy a, a party line where I say it was sacred activity or something like this. Come up with ground to make it okay. I also can't come up with ground or fixed idea to make it not okay. Really left in that I don't know. Love isn't just a way to fight loneliness. That's what phones are for. You know? He didn't hide anything. He didn't hide his drinking. He didn't hide his uh, sexuality. There are so many Western teachers, as well as Asian teachers in the West, who have been brought down by what's called sexual misconduct. But if you really look closely, that's not what caused them to come down. It was that the students felt deceived. Dip I've always wanted to do that. Oh, drop a mic? No, you can drop it. Here, I want you to drop the mic. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not as exciting as I thought it That, ladies and gentlemen, was Sam Burkle's dropping the mic for the first time intentionally the mic drop from sam burkholz to begin so do we end here um all beginnings lead to ends and all ends lead to new beginnings so sure yes <laughs> let's, yes let's go from here yeah i was struck today thinking about the relationship how it began with Chogum trumpa and that you came up with the name Shambhala, as you said in our last podcast, and then that just happened to be the vision that Chogim Trumpa saw for the West at this point, or an enlightened society, and those two worlds colliding synchronistically. And what was that like for you meeting him? Trungpa Rinpoche had arrived in North America. I had published his book, Meditation in Action, and... Uh, it was the first book I ever published, and it, you know, became this phenomena of, you know, a whole generation of people reading it. Yeah. I mean, I published a thousand copies in the beginning and then just, you know, kept going and uh, was passed around. Was it just sold in the Bay Area? It was originally just sold in my bookstore. It started at Shambhala Booksellers in, in, in Berkeley. Wow. Then it was sold around the Bay Area, and then it uh, was sold around North America. Gotcha. It, it just became a, a, a phenomena. I was just trying to turn on my friends and, uh-huh. and neighbors 
uh, to it. Gotcha. It was, was very the, simple. Was the Shambhala bookstore existing also previous to meeting Trump or Rinpoche? Oh, it, yes, uh, a few years before. A few years yeah. before. Yes, yeah. yes. And what was your idea of Shambhala to name it that? Uh, my friend Michael Fagan and I uh, were exploring all the spiritual traditions. We 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 were sort of fed up with our uh, odd lives in a, in a certain way. We we met at the San Francisco post office on a loading dock and were throwing uh, big bags of uh, mail around mm-hmm. and having uh, conversations about uh, how we could discover. Uh, what's real and what's true but so it was you know it was a mr natural kind of uh uh setting yes and it was it was great yeah and uh we both talked about shambhala you know we found it in a book Uh uh-huh and then um um we had i had dreams about it you know very strong whoa 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 yeah what kind I, uh, at that time in my life, I was a I was a complete bibliophile. Mm. I, I I read books like two and three a day, even you know, really, and not the ones they gave me at San Francisco State College. Gotcha. I'm, I'm I'm talking other ones. I used to go to this place called Fields Bookstore in in San Francisco, and I both Fagan and I, mm-hmm. uh, we, we read everything on spirituality, every kind of spirituality, uh, until we found what would make sense in our own lives. Yeah. And, uh, what were those early formings in that bookstore there? What was speaking to you? Uh, you know, there was everything and everything that had a, every spirituality, whether it was Sufism or Gurdjieff work mm-hmm. or, uh, mystical Christianity or, Kabbalism, yeah. or Hinduism, or Zen, or you know, I mean, I could go on and on. We looked into all yeah. of it. We 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 were um, like spiritual seekers. Wow. They used to call us, right? Yes, yeah. That was that that was the term. True seekers, though, because it just all this hadn't really flourished in the West or had a stronghold yet, and so you're really one of these early, just getting the notions from beyond, even dreams. It seems like to yeah. to establish something like this here or follow the interest. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and um, the dreams were very strong, but because I'm a bibliophile, they came in the form of books. Mm. So I would read. Not only would I read books, I'm crazy. Yeah, me <laughs> I too. Go, when, yeah, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only would I uh, read books in um, my waking life, mm-hmm. I would read books in various languages, not not English, mm-hmm. in my sleeping life. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> wow. No, that's not weird. It's dreams. You have to yeah, understand. Sure. I mean, dreams are dreams. Yeah. Right? But this one term, Shambhala. Mm-hmm kept coming up both outside and inside amazing so it was like okay i'm getting a message from the universe uh, and michael was getting a message from the universe we he didn't have the dreams he 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 was uh had the more outer outer stuff gotcha and um we said we have to start something called shambhala and see what happens <gasps> That's funny. <laughs> yes. Because I'm in what happened. Yes. I am what happened. Yes, yes. I'm an extension of what happened. The books here on the table yes. are an extension. Yes. yes. So that's that's funny to me. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we started this thing. Uh, you know, it was a it was a bookshop on uh, Telegraph Avenue near near UC in, oh, in Berkeley, and yeah. the rest is history, as they say. Right? Yeah, and you guys had an equal share in that uh, bookstore. No, or? no. Uh, uh, there's this bookstore that still exists in Berkeley called Moe's Bookstore, uh, and the guy who owned it, Morris Moskowitz, was great, magnificent man who uh, I came to him, I said, I'd like to start a bookstore inside your bookstore. Yeah. And I'd been a you know, customer at the bookstore. His gotcha. Bookstore. Okay. And he said, what would it be? And I told him what it would be. Yeah. And he said, go look at that back room. And there was like the, the bookstore at that point uh, had been a transformed uh, supermarket. Huh. And in the back there was the bottle room, and back in back in the back in those days, you returned your bottles to get them refilled. Sure, sure. You didn't toss them, you know. Yeah, anywhere. you do that still in Ohio, by the way. Oh, that's nice, but it's a retro thing. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so I started this bookstore. I was a bibliophile, so I didn't. I just in I I don't know how to explain these things. No, you're doing great. When I read a book. I also remembered the name of the publisher and the publisher's address yes. and, and every part of it. I was the kind of person, I'd look at a page, it would make an impression, yeah. and I had, you know, I had a bibliographic yeah. memory. Yes. So it was easy for me to start a bookstore. I just sat down yeah. and wrote letters to, to all the different uh, places, Wow. and these, all these books arrived from all over the world. Hmm. Um, uh, from India, Pakistan, Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, obviously New York, but mainly mainly England. Oh wow! Uh, because there was a, a tradition of publishing spiritual books in England that hadn't exactly hit the United States yet. They had colonized, colonized India, they had, so they right. had some exposure before it, us. You got it. You got it. It's 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 all a colonial thing. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, India. You want some good India? <laughs> yeah, we've got ours. It's got our flag on you it. But, it. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> So th- uh, that's it, and and uh, you know it was wow. it was simple, but it was also there was some magic mm. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, as one of my friends said, uh, most of Trungpa Rinpoche's students uh, looked for him, mm-hmm. and uh, my friend said he looked for you, which he did. Yeah, I published this book, uh, Meditation in Action, without ever having met him. No way. No way. Way. Oh my gosh! It was just an author, a book that you were interested in. So you're like, no, I'll do no. it. Or? I, uh, I used to go to England a lot, mm. and I met uh, a, a, a publisher there. His name was Vincent Stewart, and he was. Uh, I found out later was looking for someone to pass on his lineage of publishing and printing and and so on. Wow! And uh, his wife was a tarot reader, mm-hmm. and she said to him that a, a young man with a beard would knock on your door and he would be the one. The next day, I was the young man. Um, wow. Nine, I, was, was I, I wasn't a man. Yeah. I was 18. Okay. 18 you you just became a man. Oh, sort of. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. 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 You're actually two years ahead in England. Oh, yeah, there yeah. we go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, so uh, um, and he handed me this manuscript, says, oh, you want to publish? Read this. I can't believe it. That's unbelievable. That's, that's no. It's the truth. No, it's, you can believe the truth. The truth. The truth doesn't hurt. You yes. Know, really. Uh, yes. Exactly. But moment by moment, we are making the unbelievable believable through these stories. Being, well, tell it, them. It, it was partly a magical time. You know, anyone who you talk to, who was involved in 
you know, like who was in San Francisco in the late 1960s and so on. Yeah. There was all this magic. No, the magic went all kinds of different ways. Yeah. And then the magic uh, also went down the drain uh, uh, also. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but certain magic didn't go down the drain. Like right. This, like this magic. Yes, exactly. So he handed you the manuscript. He handed for- me the manuscript. And was this was Chogum Trump still in like Scotland? He was in Scotland. Okay, at at, uh, at a center he had established there, mm-hmm. the first uh, Tibetan Buddhist center in the in the west. In the west, yeah. And uh, I remember taking it to my room. I sat down and uh, I started reading this manuscript uh, of this of this book, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the manuscript was talking to me, and I'm going, oh. This is the, and I was on no drugs. You have to understand. Yes, I know. I, I mean, totally yes, straight. Right. And, you know, just uh, and it was talking to me, and I went, "Wow, uh, people, this is this is really important." Mm-hmm. And then I learned over the years that the the book has talked to many people mm-hmm. in, in the same way, and and uh, helped them enter into. Uh, the path of, of Buddha Dharma. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I brought it along today, this pocket version, <clears throat> and um, where I meditate every day um, is across from the shelf where it sits. And I saw it, and this morning, after coming out of meditation, I thought, I'm going to bring that today. And then I opened it up, and just at the first page it says, Meditation in Action, Chokim Trumpa, with an afterforward by Samuel Burkles. Right there. Yep. And here I am. Here I sit with you. Here we are. Here right. we are. So well done, sir. In your in your in, in your childhood neighborhood at that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, where I used to play. Yes. I used to play here. Wow. So okay, so the manuscript it's speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Then you take it home to publish it. Not exactly. Uh, uh, Mr. Stewart had a publishing house, and he was going to publish it in England. Uh And we made an arrangement that Shambhala, which was me, me basically, at that that time, Uh uh, would publish it for the United States. But we we, we weren't a publishing house. You know, we were were a bookstore. So published a thousand copies, put them on the shelf, and... um, they disappeared. I want to know, do you remember watching them go or or getting low and going like, wow, we may have something here? It may have only, I mean, my, you know, sure. I, I, I'm a senior citizen now <laughs> and I have no memory of anything, <laughs> but I think it was something like all thousand copies sold out in like two weeks. What? You know, th- there was, this was sort of the beginning of, Buddhism in the West, yeah, and in the San Francisco Bay Area, there, you know, there was a burgeoning thing with the Zen Center and and uh, different places like that, uh, and all the Zenies came and bought this book, and any, you know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was just like it was speaking to a generation, yes, and it began with the San Francisco Bay Area, generation. right, good enough a place as any, yeah, exactly, and so. Suzuki Suzuki Roshi had been in America probably about twelve years by that point. That's correct. Yeah, and then, and and did you have a, a relationship with him prior to this book? Or I guess this is all happening all at once. Isn't it's it? all happening at once. Yeah, and it's all 
not how you imagine. Uh huh. Great. It's ordinary. <laughs> it's extremely ordinary. That's what I tell people. Like, yes, this just, happens too. This also happens. Yes, um, it's it's ordinary, and it's uh, of course there's a magic to yeah, it. Yeah. But as Trunkberg coined the phrase, it's ordinary magic. That's right. You know, it's, that's it's, right. it's 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 like that. It's like it's it's magic, but you you have to see it. You know, you have to see it sort of wide-eyed to see that the ordinary is magic. Right, that's right. Yep. That's right. It's contained. Um, I <clears throat> So this will be a good, I think, a spot to go from here because I'm now reading... I'm now reading The Teacup and the School Cup. Yes. And I just happened to buy this book not knowing that there was going to be a reference of you. And it just happens to be the next book that I was reading in the line. Mm -hmm. And this interests me very much at this moment, Zen and Tantra, where Zen and Tantra meet is basically describing Suzuki Roshi and Chogyam Trumpa meeting. Correct. And uh, and so... But not just... Trung just, Prem, yes. Trung Premche also met uh, and was close to Taizan uh, Maizumi right, Roshi right. And, and many of the other Roshis. That's right. There, uh, it was rare to have another Buddhist. There uh-huh. were these Japanese Buddhists who came as pastors for their Japanese for the Japanese Americans. That's it. Wow. They were the pastors for the Japanese American Soto Zen or Rinzai Zen uh, temples, but then. They, so that's nothing like the Padmasambhava proclamation about when the iron bird flies to the west, the, that Buddhism will flourish there. It's not that. You it's, have to remember, ordinary and magic right. go together. Uh-huh. It's not a comic book. It's real. God, it's yes. Like that, you know? Yes, yes. Okay. I was reading about some of the other Roshis that were around and also in the extraordinary relationships that, uh, that Trumpa Rinpoche had with them and, uh, and how taken they were with him, hearing about him and, and notoriously as being somebody who's, you know, allowing his uh, uh, students to drink and so on and so forth, you know, and uh, they smoking all, cigarettes. And- they, they all drank and most of them smoked. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you're again trying to make, my friend, yes. the ordinary you're you're right. forgetting that the magic is in the ordinary. Yeah, I'm such a motherfucker. Oh, you're not allowed to say <laughs> yes, this. Yes, you are. This has Excuse a parental me. advisory. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, even sitting with my when I took my vow with uh, Lama Lanong, when I took the Bodhisattva vow with him and took refuge in him, right after the ceremony when everybody left and uh, everybody was at lunch and it was just Lama and I. I sat down. He said, come here, come here. And he called me over. He's like, look at this. And he's sort of a llama that he communicates. He's on his phone. He'll send messages. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, he's like, look at this. And I sit down next to him. And he's basically watching his social media feed. And it has um, people eating exotic bugs in far off places. And he's like, look at this. Look at the one that he eats there. And I'm going, this, this also. <laughs> this also my teacher who everybody thinks is like you know they think they have an idea about the guru they have an idea about what tibetan buddhism is and they go what why would this how does this make sense and it makes total sense to me why he's watching this and it's also something that i can't find ground to dismiss or to to mm-hmm. further which is where i love hanging out now that's my favorite place that paradox with spot. With, with uh uh 
Bugs in your mouth? <laughs> bugs in my mouth. Well, if need be, if, if that's the be. next right thing to do. Okay. And that's the thing I think that most people don't understand about in Buddhism is that it's not necessarily a, a it's not a set of rules of how to live life. It's not. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's that. It's that too. Right. It. There's something called oh, vinaya. Uh huh. And conduct, sort of conduct. Yes. And in fact, the tantric vinaya. Yeah. Is more strict than the Hinayana uh-huh. or Theravadan of Anaya yeah. or the Mahayana of Anaya. Yeah. It's much stricter. Yes. So, for example, as a Maha, as a as a Theravadan, mm-hmm. you don't kill, right? Even right. an ant or a bug, right? Right. It's like that. Yes. So that's fine. There's a rule. Sure. For the Mahayanas, the rule is um, you when you see yourself going to kill an ant or a bug or whatever you're going to kill, yeah. you stop yourself. Right. The The tantric approach is you cut it before it even becomes a thought. Right. So it is the more difficult Vinaya. Right. Okay, so there are rules. Yes, there are. It seems <laughs> you know? like, though, to get to the non-rules, not, no, I don't want to say the, non-rules. But. The, no, you can say the non-rules. Yeah. The rules are the non-rules. Right. Thank it's, you. It's, it's yes. perfect conduct. Yes. You know, uh, yes. it's like, okay, you learn the rules, mm-hmm. and you put the rules into play. Right. Then it's your life. Yes. And there are no rules. Right. It's like that. Yes. But and you that, still don't kill. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. What was it like for you first meeting Suzuki Roshi, and what were those circumstances before we introduced these two? Uh, I went to Zen Center, uh, in Zen Center of San Francisco, at a, a, I think I was 17 or 18 years old. Okay. Maybe, so. Probably 18. And I, I walked into it, and it looked like some kind of club to me that, had nothing to do with me it was very i, I couldn't understand it huh. and um also, you mean you belonged there but you but it was like nothing to do with you yes wow right it was like sounds I, like the right place it was the it was <laughs> it was the wrong place at the right time Ooh, <laughs> right? right. It, was, it was like that right but uh and i didn't like <laughs> It's going to sound so weird. Mm. The cultural appropriation of everyone trying to be so Japanese. <laughs> and it, 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 I, I, I went, there is no way I can, you know, walk around like this, right. and act like this, and be like this. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I may, slow. I may be a Jap, but I'm not Japanese, <laughs> you know. It's a little Jewish. Joke. Sorry, yes, sorry, right. sorry. <laughs> it's perfectly played, you know. Later, I met Suzuki Roshi. Mm. And that was like meeting the Buddha. Wow. This it, it had nothing to do with Japanese, Japanese being Japanese. He was mm. Japanese. Uh-huh. He was who he was. Wow. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, how can you not fall in love with this guy? Wow. And uh, he, he was wonderful. And uh, most strangely, after I'd met him and so on, uh, I introduced Trungpa Rinpoche to him because yes. Trungpa Rinpoche wanted to meet him, and um, we all went to to uh, Tassajara, which is this uh, the, the first Zen monastery in America in in Monterey County, mm-hmm. and um, we all hung out together. My, uh, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche and his wife, 
uh, Suzuki Roshi and his wife, uh, my wife and me. Mm-hmm. Why am I making it all like that? Way, that oh, because no. you have to remember the '60s were pretty patriarchal for right sure. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your relationship with? Uh, Trump or Rinpoche by the time you're introducing it was it still burgeoning or no I mean I was his publisher it, I, so I, that's I it had, huh I had a professional relationship with him oh wow so at uh, the start at the start I already had been uh, I ended up being a Chan practitioner uh, it, uh, the Chinese form of Zen uh, I, I used to go to this temple in in uh, Chinatown on Waverly Place and you know I was learning Chan Buddhism and learning at the seeker phase at the at the seeker phase of your no, eighteen the, or, or the, much the, later, everything everything happened so quick. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I looked at everything. Uh-huh. My, my, you know, we, we literally met everybody there was to meet in the Bay Area that had anything to do with spirituality. Yeah, uh, and we went no. Yeah, and but huh. you know, we went to this Chan Center and and uh, this old white guy uh, who was a burlesque singer. Whoa. And uh, and the head of the, the strippers union. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe, why, why is that funny? There's a strippers union. <laughs> well, you know, back in those days, uh, there was oh. this, this area of San Francisco, um, uh, the um, Barbary Coast, and 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 so on. Uh-huh. And my friend Joe Miller uh, had been a burlesque singer, mm-hmm. you know, between the strip acts and the Barbary Coast. Amazing. He was, you know, this, this amazing strange man mm. uh, who uh, was involved with the Theosophical Society and Buddhism. He'd been a friend of W.Y. Evans Wentz. And oh, so on. wow. And he was teaching the Diamond Sutra. Yeah. And the Diamond, well, you know, Diamond Sutra. Bang. Home. Wow. Home. What was it about it? It literally penetrated my mind in a way that nothing ever had. Oh, I'm so happy for you. you know, yes, and, and it was fortunate. And at the end of the Diamond Sutra, they were really smart back in the day in China. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, There's a little section as you gain merit by reprinting this book. Oh, wow. Right? Yes. So yes. I reprinted it at, at nauseum, <laughs> at, at, at infinitum, yes, you know, yeah. as part of it. Yeah. And I had a sort of a propagandist zeal. Uh-huh. I still have it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That's so difficult to not proselytize about something that you that you love, that you yes. see would be the antidote yes. to the ills of society. And it's so hard in the early stages, especially, to not do that. And, and it seems like, you know, books like Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism were the sort of antidote for for that it, it was but for me the thing that that really stuck out first was uh actually was going to zen center mm-hmm. and sit i think sitting with suzuki roshi and so on and they began by chanting amaka hanya haramita shinjo it's the it's called the prajnaparamita hridaya sutra or mm-hmm. the or or the heart sutra mm-hmm. and i was told to memorize it mm. and i memorized it um, I still ha- have the memory of it in Japanese. I memorized it in Chinese, and me- and memorized it in English. Hold that mic closer. Hold that yeah. mic closer. <laughs> and uh, it's too and, good to miss. And uh, that put me fully on 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 the path of Dharma because wow. I I learned uh, everything in Dharma that I'd learned before is mentioned in there and says no. Wow. It's not this, it's not that, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And form is emptiness, emptiness, that's, it, I mean, the profundity was, but the profundity 
comes as much from the sound of it mm-hmm. as it does from the words of it. Yes, you know it's it's yes it, it it's so part of learning it and learning yeah. how to chant it was there that there was something transmitted outside of the words. Right. And that was my first experience of that kind of magic. I talk about that. That's the only way to describe what happens between myself and my teacher. Mm. Those words are so simple. They're things that have been picked through and said, are probably being said a million places. But when he says it, there's all this other information that comes that comes without form or words that is just directly being transferred. And it feels like that. Something like that. Something like that. I mean, something like the... Prajnaparamita Sutra comes from Prajnaparamita herself. Oh. It is her speaking to you. Wow. And I don't, you know, I don't believe in imaginary beings. Uh-huh. So I don't think that Prajnaparamita exists as an imagine, you know. Sure, a, sure. But she is the mother of all Buddhas because the awakened mind comes from her cervix because uh, her cervix is wisdom. And wisdom is the mother's milk, so to speak. Everything comes from that. You know how Buddhism works. Mm -hmm. It's also reduced to one syllable. All of the sutra and all of what it means by just saying, Hri. I love the way the ancient masters produced this way of transmitting things that goes through the ages yes and through cultures right etc it's 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 amazing it cuts through but not necessarily but but not by the words by the sound yes and it also seems like it's it, it it's not it it doesn't do it completely it's not enough that we have to be ready to receive that to hear it to be listening that deeply not everybody heard what you heard that day but maybe they did. Maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah, that's you know, true. my experience. I've learned all experience is subjective. Right. I don't have a single objective experience. Yeah. Um, and you even know. your death, where you when you were in the bardo, you were saying in the last episode that that was the iconography was because of your your immersion in this path, and so that's how it came to you. Yes. In this hell realm form, yes. but it's not necessarily what it looks like for everyone. Not at all. Right. But then, but then the energies involved or the purpose of it is the same, even though it may come in a different form. Wouldn't you say? All of us are born as human beings. Yeah. And we, you know, we have. The, the, uh, most of us have the same equipment yeah. or a variation on the equipment. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. And all of that... Uh, Coming is, soon, new equipment, though. New equipment, right. right. <laughs> it's but, on the way, I'm sure. Right. But all of that, they're perception sensors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And not only... But you find out later, they're not only perception sensors, they're projectors. Uh-huh. And yes. so you project, and it comes back through the same mechanism so to speak in your body right that's why the heart sutra says that there are no perceptions mm-hmm. no consciousness mm-hmm. <laughs> no birth mm-hmm. no sickness no old age yeah no death yeah and so on yes by the time you're introducing 
Trumper Rinpoche and Suzuki Roshi. You're just the publisher. You have a business relationship going on. It, it's not what the relationship would become between you and both of these men, I imagine, on some level, but definitely mm-hmm. Trungpa. No, but with, Tr- with Trungpa Rinpoche, we, we became friends the minute we met. Oh. So it was, it was business and we became friends. You know, I didn't view him as a particular enlightened being or anything like huh. that. Yeah. It's like this wonderful guy. And right. We got along. Yeah. Did and, you know about the journey out of Tibet yet? Did you know his background? And- yes. I'd, I'd, I'd read Born in Tibet. Oh, and that had come out already, huh? Uh, yes. Uh, Born in Tibet came out, I think, three years before Meditation in Action. Was that not the craziest horror story you had ever read? About no, I'd somebody- read crazier one. Had you? Yeah, the, uh, the 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 book that turned me to Tantrayana, which was uh, or Vajrayana, mm-hmm. uh, the life and teachings of Naropa, and that oh. is that that, 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 yeah. that that's a crazier story. Yes, <laughs> right, right, okay, no, for sure, yeah, and I'm yes. sure Trump, I'm sure Trump or Rinpoche would say the same. He thing. He would say exactly the o- same, thing, almost yes. with embarrassment that he's being com- uh, compared in some way. No, he's the lineage holder of, of Teloho and Naro. No embarrassment, right? That, thank you. For pro- that. Actually, right. pride. Oh, oh, right. The pride, right. the opposite, right? But right-sized pride. There's no pride has no size. <laughs> it's not material. I'm trying it has to put no size. I'm trying to. I'm trying you to know? put bumpers on all the sharp yeah, corners. Of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one thing. One thing I have learned from the Heart Sutra and later from my teachers mm-hmm. is that it, that our biggest obstacle to spiritual development. And becoming awake is our tendency to try to materialize everything mm. and to try to conceptualize everything, make everything material. Yes. Everything has a relationship to me mm-hmm. and so on. Right. Big mistake, right. but almost impossible not to make the mistake. Right. There's, right. There, there's the quandary. Right. Wall in form. It's like the default setting to call out form, to, to have some reference point. We're, and this is we're simultaneously trying to get rid of the reference points in our life while studying this Buddhist path. And all we have is reference points. And so you could see the... So getting, refer, getting trying to get rid of the reference points is another reference point. We, we, <laughs> we, 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 we're, we're constantly trying to put a hold on it uh-huh, yeah. to, to, to make it solid. Yeah. To, so that we so that we can uh, we can have something oh this precious thing mm-hmm. and it's not right it's it, yes dharma is precious yeah but there is no way to hold on to it yeah. there is nothing to hold on to right it's it's you know zen talks a lot about this yeah it's all about letting go right let go like it, that it's so interesting too and 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 i I'm venturing into this and know that anything that I say here, we can just cut out if you don't want to talk about it. No worries. That's what struck me when I went to a Shambhala center in Eagle Rock in 2016 or something. Yeah, right. Right over there. We're we're adjacent at the moment. I'd gone there periodically. I went there once and it was, there was a feel to it. I was looking through books and I think the woman who was attending said, oh, you know, it's really nice to see someone in. 
And I was like, well, what do you mean? You know? And she, and she said, well, there's been all this controversy with Sakyam Mipam, uh, Chogim Trumpa's son. The question of Shambhala is now, it's a question of what's going to happen. Now, not the publications, but it was the... the yeah, you know, and, and you should know yeah, that Shambhala yes. publications and, and the Shambhala centers have never been associated. They've never been, that's perfect. It's know. a family business, Okay, basically. great, yes, great. Yes, yes. Okay, perfect. So, but by, you know, um, having this conversation there, I was struck in that moment. This is what Chogim Trumpa actually taught everyone was like, there's nothing to hold on to, nowhere Zero. to go. So in the end, it was like, the fruition was that it all kind of goes through this either recontextualization, re-examination, or, or, or extinguishment. Whatever happens here, it's like, it's it, there's nothing to hold on to. It's an odd flowering. Of, no, no. Dharma... Buddha Dharma says very clearly, no matter what the lineage is, is to accomplish the path to awakenment, one has to um, get be sick of samsara, be sick of the ordinary ways of relating to our life, relating to others, and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the inspiration comes from vomiting, so to speak, just being disgusted by samsara. Mm-hmm. And if we don't give up our, our attachment yeah. to samsaric phenomena, yeah. you know, there, there, there's no progression on the path. It's so true. It's the claustrophobia. You know, I really understand the claustrophobia of the path now being that, you know, the claustrophobia, it's, it doesn't sound like the road to enlightenment, you know, but it really is because all the old places that you try and go, you've already been there. That's the sick of samsara. It's just all closing in on you and there's nowhere else to go, no one to blame, nothing to hold on to, and you're just there. You're just there. Something like that. Something like that. But we are repeaters. We are repeat offenders. And we want to rest there. Yeah. There's, that is not the place to rest. Mm. Once one sees this, mm. there is nothing else to be done right. other than to think of others and the pain that they suffer from yeah. and to try to benefit others. That's right. That It comes from that being sickened by samsara Mm -hmm, that's right you can't turn on samsara no you can't turn on it though while you're being sickened by it you're almost it's you're not sick of those who are um um um, subjected to it no (laughs) you're you're just sick of it as being uh the truth of existence yes and so there's all these smatterings of people everywhere who are in pain amidst this like a a sticky web of samsara Mm -hmm. that need liberating and and what else is there to do when the world has become that claustrophobic? Not having such a big idea to liberate, just to ease the suffering. Okay, thank you. Because uh, if we have too, if our ideas are too big in mm. the beginning, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a formula for failure. Mm. You just whatever arises in our life, mm-hmm. we we learn how to deal with that. Yeah, um, and that's not about me. So. You know, if I'm meeting somebody else, whether beggar or king, it makes absolutely no difference. Right. 
all beings suffer. That's right. All beings suffer. Yes. You know, I, I, I've been on the streets of, of Santa Monica. I've been, you know, in, in you know, in uh, India with all yeah. the figures. And I've been in Buckingham Palace. Yeah. And, I've, yeah, and so on. Wow. They're suffering everywhere. Yes. Just takes different forms. Samsara t- uh, takes different forms. Suffering is, you know, is universal. Yeah. Did you ever... Uh, um, work with bob roth or ever talk with him or no uh he's been with the tm movement for like 50 years he's the executive director of the david lynch foundation and uh david lynch sounds like a name i should know Jim. cherry pie um <laughs> <laughs> uh, like blue velvet and uh twin peaks cherry and, pie yeah. cherry pie oh yes cherry pie from twin what are you peaks? talking yeah, about <laughs> What do you mean, no? I thought you were still, like, bringing up a random hair metal song. No, no, no. That's all I can remember about David Lynch. That cherry pie was damn good. Damn good. good. That's right. That's right. Bob Roth said when he taught Tom Hanks to meditate one afternoon uh, in the TM tradition, and he said uh, when he met him, he looked in his eyes and he saw the same fear that he's seen in, in everyone. He said that everyone has the same fear. Of course. Yeah. It was great news, though. Everybody thinks you you can wealth that away. I have the odd thing of knowing some billionaires. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. No, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. I, I had an assignment of... Um, being a sober companion to a billionaire um 15 years ago or something and so and and uh loneliest man yep, yep. so lonely you don't know. in all the world yeah you, you don't know money is a great thing yes if you don't get attached to it right once you get attached uh-huh it's like the devil right it just it, it just comes at, keeps coming at you and your biggest fear is that everything in your life the people around you and um your own thing is all about getting your money uh-huh right <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable yeah it's un- i had i had a friend who was daughter of billionaires uh-huh she she had all the money in the world and her family had all the money in the world mm-hmm. she kept track of every expenditure including bubble gum in a little notebook so she would know when she was getting going to be out of money whoa and probably she'd run out of money by the year when the beatles do 50 75 you know something like that <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> something like that right and she was <laughs> she was an unbelievably intelligent human being and kind and so on wow but she, and she rejected, you know, she would never fly in her parents' uh, um, private plane mm. and so on. She tried to tried to live this frugal life. Right. And suffered. Suffered. Yes. Yeah. Really, really heavily. I love what you just did there because uh, normally with a reference like this, it's sort of to point out how lost people are in their wealth. But you took a moment to go and she was an unbelievably intelligent and kind person you like brought the human element and not like all these millionaires are just no 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 everyone's look everyone's the same you take off the clothes whatever the clothes are yes and you know a bunch of 
naked naked monkeys you nobody know? likes the zit on their back <laughs> right, you know? it's like you know it's like it's just you know you know yeah. some monkeys are a little more attractive than the other depend <laughs> but depending on who's looking that's true see it's 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 a, it's subjective yeah you know we make these so supposedly objective things but they go out of style yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> What's so in this um, in this emerging this uh, this bubbling up in San Francisco and Berkeley, the Bay Area in the late sixties, early seventies? Where does uh, your relationship with Alan Watts begin? Um, Alan Watts was someone I read. Of course, everybody actually people are still reading him. That's what's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone reads him. Uh, and I, I read him because if you wanted to find out about, about Zen, you read The Way of Zen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, and he wrote all kinds of very, in, you know, Nature, Man, and Woman. He wrote all these interesting books. He, and came, in over in the, he came over in the 50s, right? He came over in the 50s uh, uh, to be the, the priest, I think, at Grace Cathedral. Is there. that right? You know, oh, he, he was, was an, he I was knew he was, he was an Episcopalian uh, minister. I knew that, but I didn't know that he hadn't converted prior to coming. He here. never converted. He just dropped being the dean of Grace Cathedral. Oh, wow. if if I have my history right, you know. Okay. Again, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the old man card. Here. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> just this may not be true. This is my memory, but it may not be true. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So so okay, so he came over here for that, and then. Um, and then the I, I feel like didn't he write the way of Zen in the fifties? Isn't it the late fifties or early sixties? You know better than I. Okay, cool. Where are you reading this in the in the boom when you're eighteen or so in the seeker mode? Oh, in the seeker mode. You know, yeah. I, I read everything. Uh-huh, that was uh, every, everything that there was. Yeah, uh, I read. Did he have a presence in the area? Like, was he doing talks? He was doing talks uh, and and so on. Um, and he did not, not just in the area. I. I my 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 publishing mentor was telling uh, me very early on that he he had met Alan Watts. Alan, you know, wanted to, uh, my 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 friend Vincent Stewart to publish uh, his books in England. Yeah, and uh, he said Alan just kept talking about how many people came to his talks, <laughs> and and and. Uh, he, cause, that, that that was that was the only that was the uh, uh, only thing he offered. You know, I give these talks, and thousands of young people come to my talks. You know, it's like a Saturday Night Live skit. It's like what happens after he gives these amazing lectures. He's like, God, I'm really great. It, it was a little like that. So oh so 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 I was I was turned off to him based oh, on what yeah. my friend had said. Ah, oh, right. And, and then by by circumstance. We shared an an hour uh-huh. in, on the radio. That's right. Uh, um, That's uh, right. I I, I I can't remember who was on. There was the Alan Watts show, and then there was mine. So the the elder guy and yeah. the little eighteen year old uh, weirdo who you know who uh, followed him. Yeah. You but guys got they, smashed together. They, they were of a thing. And when we met, we laughed about that because we, oh, we both knew of each other. Oh, great. Uh, well, obviously we, we were on the radio. Oh, sure. Every month, every, <laughs> we're on the radio all the time, but, but we, we, we taped them in different, in, in different locations. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, but we were on the radio. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah. Always together. Uh huh. Wow. But you know, I, I was nobody. And, um, do those exist out in the YouTube sphere? 
No, because huh. it was no one was paying attention. Right. I, I believe whatever they, it was the first altern, alternative radio station in San Francisco. In other words, they, they uh, um, alternative was album rock. Oh, huh. so so it was you know uh, run by this man called Big Daddy Tom Donahue. Oh, nice. Who, who was a Satanist? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. He, uh, uh, what's whoever the Satanist in San Francisco was. Uh-huh. He was a member of that church. Uh-huh. And so he, he, he had to do Anthony public... Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey! Okay, right, right. <laughs> we did <But> it! <laughs> so, so, so Big Daddy had this idea. He had to, he had to put on um, X amount of um, uh, non... You know, uh, public, you know, public radio sort of things. Every radio station had a requirement. Most of them did, like... Christian things on Sunday. Oh yeah, gotcha. So he he didn't want to do Christian yeah. things. <laughs> so he, so somehow he got Alan and I. I don't know how he got me to do <laughs> to perfect. do these programs. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a guy who's formerly an Episcopalian and a Jewish guy who's a Buddhist leaning. <laughs> I, I wasn't. Oh, this is pre me being a Buddhist. I was. I was. So you were a seeker still. I was a seeker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, th- something you said earlier, and I, God, I wish I could have paired this earlier, but you'd when we were talking about uh, um, intelligence being transferred th- um, th- in multiple levels at someone, like Suzuki Roshi um, transmitting something to you in that moment. The Heart, Heart Sutra. Heart Sutra, was it? Okay. It reminded me of the Mysticism and Sound of Music, the book. That you put in the Uncon, yeah, yes, exactly. That you guys put out, and uh, that book, just the title of it, um, was one of the early spiritual texts that jumped out at me before I even knew anything about anything. Just that notion, and uh, through reading a bit of it, it seems like that's some of that may be something similar here. The mysticism of sound, right? Well, part of what I did on my my radio show that was different than Alan's because I was not a particularly good speaker mm-hmm. is I played all kinds of music that no one had ever heard. So, you know, I played uh, ghazals from, from, from Pakistan. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, Sufi, uh, Sufi music from there. I played, you know, uh, uh, tantric uh, music. I played Japanese. That must have been music such a great hour of music. Or was that? Yeah, people loved it. Oh, I bet. People loved it. I mean, because you, at that time in history, now this stuff is all common. Yeah. At that time, a few people you know that knew about it but now sure. you know now that, that stuff's become fairly common yeah what's the guy um in uh, i have a book of his in his conversations he had a radio show in in uh in new york that hosted a lot of different spiritual teachers tom yeah um okay so there's ferlin getty who larry's who yeah and then no, this guy was a jewish guy who oh god what was the name of you know what i'm talking about the book I bought it the last time I was in San Francisco at uh, City Lights. I knew Larry from the age of, of uh, 10. Ferlinghetti. Oh, you did? Yeah. Since uh, 10? Yeah. My wow. parents had a grocery store in uh, in um, North Beach. Uh, we were immigrants. and uh-huh. uh, Yeah. Um, we had a grocery store on Grand Avenue in Filbert, North Beach, which was the beat, which all the beatniks came to, and mm. Larry lived upstairs. Mm. Oh, gotcha! Wow. Right. So I met all these people yeah. from that era at a very young age, and unlike a lot of my generation, yeah, um, I didn't particularly like them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I was not that moved by Jack Kerouac and all these things. Oh, wow. Because I knew these people. Oh, 
So that asshole slept on my no, couch no, no, for no, two no, weeks. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I knew them, you know, they, you know, because I worked in the grocery store and so yeah. on, and I knew them all. And they all had a crush on my mom. Uh, <laughs> that complicates know. things. No, I mean that was cute. Uh, and and uh, years later, I met so many of them. Yeah. In sort of this, you know, I, I, I knew Allen Ginsberg when I was young. Allen then shows up at seminary with Trunk Rimpche in 1973, and it was wow, great. Wow. And we'd already known each other yeah. for, like, years. And, you know, several like that. My friend Jerry Grinelli uh, and uh, different people, you know, were like, my, my, San Francisco was, you know, was a, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. But it was like this magical place that's been ruined i i, I have yeah. to say i go there and i go you gotta be joking oh wow yeah sure you know, it was this amazing that. collection of villages mm-hmm. and uh you know this was the italian beatnik village gotcha right <laughs> yeah would you have kerouac stories no because I, no. I, I didn't meet jack you didn't meet jack yeah okay, cool. but but i met the i met what? the people in his books oh yeah right <laughs> Wait, what were you saying Oh, Lex, Lex is not Jewish. Lex oh, is as waspy as any. Oh, what the was fuck he? are you talking about? <laughs> now, Lex Hicks. Lex Hicks was. Yeah, Le- 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 Lex, Lex is the equivalent of. Uh, Lex is from a family that's the equivalent of the Huntington family oh, where we are really? now. Very wealthy, uh, unbelievably wealthy. Oh, but he was living. He was. He was. He, he lived in a, one of the biggest way. mansions that you've ever seen in your life. Oh, really? In, in, uh, <laughs> you, you have these idealized ideas about, about I things. I got a book once, and, it, it, <laughs> and, and, and it's like, oh, this guy, he put all these, he's bringing all these conversations. I mean, Hazrat Inyat Khan's yes, son. Vilayat. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, again, I knew these, it's, yes, we, we, you know, we, we knew each other. Actually, yeah. Lex and I were friends. Okay. And, uh. Lex, did you enjoy that show? Or did you think that it was a good? I, ne- I, I never listened to a show because it it only existed in New York City. Oh, gotcha. Uh, of I'm course. not a I'm not a New Yorker. You uh-huh, know. Yeah. But you know, I met I met Lex Lex, and I, I think I published a couple of Lex's books, <laughs> and I just found I I love the guy. Yeah. But you know, he was a uh, Russian Orthodox um, priest, uh-huh. a a Sufi sheikh, uh-huh. a Hindu. Swami, yes, a Buddhist um, Roshi, yeah, and I thought, boy, this is enough to confuse anybody. It's like a turducken, well, yeah, like that, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Spiritual and, and as, much as, as much as I liked Lex, for me, I looked at I looked at it, and it was like, what kind of ratatouille is this? You know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, Though we got along, because he was a very sweet guy, and not only did he do all these things, he supported many, many different spiritual scenes. That's amazing. Including in the beginning, uh, uh, one of Trungpa Rinpoche's. Trungpa Rinpoche set up this Maitri Center, or the center uh, for uh, that he and Suzuki Roshi were going to do together, but Suzuki really? Roshi died together yeah. uh, to to help people with psychological problems. You're kidding! Why would I kid? No, that's an amazing. And idea. it was set up in Connecticut, and Lex paid for it. Wow! Yeah, but it it didn't work out because Roshi died. The Maitri Center was going to no, be no, my something. Something. Old age card. Old age, old age card is up. An old age card has been thrown on the field. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we didn't get into. It. Do you do you remember the first time meeting Alan Watts or any? any? Yes, I do. I remember. 
meeting him because I told you about Joe Miller, who I, was my actually first Buddhist teacher. He was. It was the Chan. Yes, Chan. Uh, he was also the president of Theosophical Society. So I used, oh, you know, used to go there too. Wow. And uh, later he was Sufi Sam's. They were best friends. And when uh, um, Sam talked Joe into taking his place when 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 uh, he, he was dying. Oh wow! So then he became a, a little like little similar to the Lex. Uh, yeah, Lex, yeah. But that's of a time. Sure, sure. That's of a time. Yeah, you might as well have as all many spir- assurances. All, 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 <laughs> all spirituality you could squeeze together because it wasn't clear that clear what the differences were. Oh, that's great. Well, that's yeah. that's. That's some beauty there. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, there was all this stuff. It was yeah. all smushed together. And then it rainbowed out. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. I, I, I had known that Sufi Sam was having a difficult... There's footage of him talking about who he's going to... Who's going to be his... Successor. Successor. Okay. Who's going to be his successor? Predecessor. Right. That's the person pre. That's the pre person. Who's got the old guy card on the field now? That's me. Um, so, he, he was... I guess he was talking about who's going to succeed me, and and he said my students are uh, they're all asking like who's it going to be who's it going to be and they all want to be but I said and I'll he goes I'll I'll know when when that happens but none of them right now and that was like very shortly before he died right and then and then Joe said no yeah and then he said yes oh wow Joe used to do this thing in San Francisco after you know long after. Um, uh, I knew him and actually yeah. had moved away to Colorado. He used to take walks in the park, uh, Golden Gate Park. He'd walk from one end to the other. And it used to be just uh, Gwen, his wife, and mm-hmm. he, they used to walk. And then over time, um, the walk started to be a dozen people, then a mm-hmm. hundred people. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it was a thousand or two thousand people. Wow. And a lot of them were, were, were the Sufi movement people. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about all that? Joe is a great guy. Joe and Gwen will thank them forever oh, nice. for what they showed me. Uh huh. And what did you have any encounters with Sufi Sam? Yes. Yeah? One young Jew talking to an old Jew and not agreeing <laughs> on anything. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he see, at least, I mean, I don't yeah. know. And From I, what I could tell you, he I, seems... I, I wasn't big on the Sufism. I, oh, uh, gotcha. I was not. I mean, I did understand. I mean, yeah. I did look at it very carefully uh-huh. and it just I can't do the God thing oh gotcha okay can't go there yeah um, yeah and yeah preference mobile yeah yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right so Alan Watts so what your first time meeting him and so uh, so so uh, the first time meeting him I don't know who set it up but Joe Joe Miller wanted to to meet uh, Alan Watts mm-hmm. and I said I can set that up so I you know I called Somebody yeah. that I knew, yeah, and uh, uh, I, I called and uh, I said, "Alan, this is Sam Burkles. Remember, we used to have radio, and he, yeah, he knew, you know, immediately. Oh, cool. and said, sure. And I said, I've got this old friend, Joe Miller. Um, can we come visit you? Uh-huh. And he said, When? And he said, um, Whenever you like. How about this afternoon? It was one of those kind of things. Cool. And so Joe and I went over, and we had such a great time drinking wine. Alan liked his wine. Yeah, sure. And um, uh, just talking with him and so on. And he, my prejudice against him dissolved a lot mm. because this is a wonder, you know, it's really wonderful man. Yeah. And, uh, well, the mic a little closer to you. Just oh, Mike, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
we 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 became friends and uh over a period of time you know we 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 had social time together mm-hmm. and talked about the future of buddhism together and and many things like this and and he had a really interesting take on everything and, mm-hmm. and he appreciated the publishing work i was doing and and um it, you know we we had a great time and i i then introduced him to trungpa rinpoche mm. and uh alan was uh, like one of trungpa rinpoche's literary heroes he thought america must be or the west it must be enlightened because there's alan watts and krishnamurti wow you know, he said you know he he'd, he'd been reading Fuck. he'd been reading these things in uh, where, wherever he was in uh, in the Himalayas somewhere mm. after it came really? out. And he thought... He was reading Alan Watts in the Himalayas. Well, that's where he was. Where I else know, was going to well, read no, it? no, I know. It just it reached <laughs> over there. Sure, it's India. You know, it's... <laughs> you forget the colonial... You're, you keep forgetting the colonial thing, right? Well, I guess I, I was not thinking the, about the him Episcopal in Nepal church, yet. The Episcopal yeah. Church? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Nepal. It was India. It was India. It was India. Oh, okay. That's, oh, okay. So he crossed over well, into India. Uh, no, I... Trumpa. Um, I can't remember where he crossed. It's either India or Nepal. Yeah. But he ended up for a while in the Kalimpong. So it sounds like uh, Chogyam Trumpa is a bigger fan of Alan Watts even. Is Alan Watts familiar with Chogyam Trumpa's meditation and action? Of course. Okay. And by then, you know, cutting... Th- oh, yes. Because I sent Alan a copy of Cutting, cutting Through came, came out about a month before he passed. Oh, my God. That's so great. Right. I'm so happy to know that. Right. And... Oh. And... Uh, the, the strangest thing happened um, afterwards. Rinpoche said, that was a horrible disappointment. <laughs> and I'm going, I thought he was enlightened. He's just a good guy. It was so, he, he wow. thought there, was, there, was, there, there had to be someone at that time in America who was enlightened. Hmm. And, and the only person he saw in that way was Suzuki Roshi. Right. When he when he met Suzuki Roshi, he may have prostrated to him. I don't remember. But he was crying. And uh, he said to us, those who were with him, he says, this is like being with my own teacher. Jam Young Control? Jam Young Control Seichan, oh. yes. Uh, this is, you know, was moving to him and he said it's possible to do this in America because this man is doing it you know yeah. so that was the um, the sign for Trungpa Rinpoche that he could teach meditation actually teach meditation the whole nine yards yeah yeah. I heard thank you for I'm, I feel so much closer to you now that we've shared tears together that's an amazing moment to know about um, I heard that uh, as a result of their meeting, that in all of the Shambhala centers uh, was a picture of Suzuki Roshi. No, uh, in oh, the Vajradhatu, in the Vajradhatu Dharmadhatu center. Oh, is that where it was? Yes. Okay. The, the, the Shambhala centers. I don't like them. Oh, wow. I hate Shambhala Buddhism. Yeah. I don't. I, I. 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 I can't go there. You've always felt that way. I tried to keep it from happening. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, and I did for several. I, I, I and uh, some others who felt the same way. Yeah, we felt it was 
a mistake to create a new religion because Trungpa Rinpoche was not into new religions. New yeah. religion is a is an actual phenomena that ha- that is most common in Japan and so on. Yeah, where where uh, elements are brought together and a new form is is created. Sure. I did not believe, and some other people close to Trungpa Rinpoche did not believe that that was his intention in any way. If that was his intention, he would have done that. Wow. He made a big deal of not doing that. It wasn't done until after he died? Long after. Wow. See, history is not what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and within that religion, just I to may be, be specific. I may be crucified for this. Oh, good. But happily. But happily. <laughs> the truth. Happily. I mean, the, the truth always wins, I think. So, Shambhala Buddhism itself, just to be specific, is what Sakyam Mipam was presiding he, over? He created it. He created it. Correct. Wow. He created it. Trump Rinpoche did not create it. Right. And of course... I mean, not of no. course. Yeah. Things I mean, happen, right? And and yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it was at a time that things were happening everywhere. Mm. It wasn't, you know, the the disaster of of that is just part of the disaster of spirituality. Finding out that spiritual people and spiritual communities have the same exact problems as all communities. Yeah, there is no, you know, it's not. It's not superior in that way. People are people. People do weird shit. Yeah. Excuse my language. No, no, please. And and uh, what happened in the in the late sixties, early seventies had to have its Altamont at some yes. point. Yes, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's fucking Altamont. That's yes. right. Yes. Yes. Wow. And yeah. I, yeah. Gosh. Okay. So so and then Ani Pema was not a part of the Shambhala thing. She, I mean, Nova Scotia, she, it's she, her own she, thing, she, seems like. She was for a time, uh-huh. and then she said, no way. Gotcha. Right. Wow. Because um, we were loyal to Trung Prabhupada's family, yeah. uh, his son, and so on, but then he wasn't, it, it, it's a two-way street. Yeah, of And course. it didn't work out. Gotcha. Didn't work out. Yeah. I, I'm just telling the truth. I'm it's sorry. Perfect. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's perfect. Again, someone, someone is going to want to crucify me. For I this, think you're being, you restra- <laughs> I think you're restraining yourself to be I honest, am. you know, <laughs> <I am. laughs> but this is good. This is just clarity. I'm, mm. I'm a fan of Chogyam Trumpa's work to say the least. Shambhala Buddhism was not, you know, it's not had, his vision. It was not his vision. He had a vision of, of, the kingdom of Shambhala, but it's not just his vision. It's common. Yeah. <laughs> common. Right. Like this is this ordinary is, magic. In the Tibetan world, mm-hmm. there is, it's ordinary. Everyone believes in that. Yeah. What he did is he created a way for us to understand it outside of a particular culture's way of looking at it. Yeah. And that was extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the rebound with spiritual communities and so on is a form of racism. Yeah, uh, and it's it, you know the, the race and the racism is two ways. Mm. It can come both from the teachers uh, who who think they're superior because they come from one race, and uh, th- these people are you know are stupid uh-huh. and so on. But I'll teach them anyway. Oh, gotcha. You know that's right. one form. That's one form. It's it's it, but it's I'm not saying it's endemic. Don't, don't miss No, sure, sure. But, but the other way um, is that uh, people, you know, who, who are students and so on, um, they can have racism the other way around. Mm. And it was once pointed out to me, my second root teacher, Tinley Norbert mm-hmm. Um he 
calls me up to see him, and we, we very close, as close as I was with Drunk Roche, I was with him as well. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, Sam, you're a racist. And I'm looking at Rimpje, and I'm saying, ex- ex- excuse me? And he says, you don't like Tibetans. And I said, what? I've, I've been living with Tibetans now for, you know, how many years? And he says, I don't mean me. I mean these devoted people who smell bad. Oh. And you look upon them as being peasants. You should have uh, a tenth of their devotion. Wow. You know, a tenth of their belief. And I went, oh. So a lot of the issues of our time with spirituality and so on are POC issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, trying to put uh, white Protestant or Abrahamic morality onto, onto cultures that... That uh, were never colonialized, right. so they have don't have a clue. Right, they were never colonialized. They never had, yeah. you know, an Episcopal uh, person telling them what to do. Right, right, right. I'm wow. sorry. I'm sorry. This is a side issue. This is an amazing uh, side issue. Thing sorry, to hear. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm testing this out. This is my first test. Okay, perfect. Yeah. You're a tough guy, you know. Uh, yeah, you think? You're, you're t- yeah, because you you get to as they call it, the heavy shit. You know. Ah, oh, good, good, <laughs> perfect. We touched upon in the last talk, Dilgu Kinsey Rinpoche staying with you and the deer is coming by your place. Could you talk more about what it was like having him in your home, and just even meeting Mister mm. Universe? Wow, you remember everything. Okay. It was 1976, I imagine. That's the year 19, I was born. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was 1976. And uh, uh, Trung had invited uh, Dilgo Kensa Rinpoche to come and teach to his students in, in uh, North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I was sent over to... He was teaching at Sammy Ling, the, mm-hmm. the place in Scotland that Trung established. And I went over there to try to help um, get a visa for him to come to America. It was very Whoa. difficult. So, by Had cert- you ever met him? N- uh, no. No, okay. I, I only knew, knew about him because he was one of Trungpa Rinpoche's two, two or three root gurus. So you'd seen a picture or many pictures? seen lots of pictures, okay. and I heard, I heard of him. The thing I remember most was Trungpa Rinpoche said, the first time he ever saw Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche, he said we, there was a big field, and there were a lot of people in the field in Tibet. And he looked, and this giant was walking toward him. I, I don't know if you know Dilgo yes, Kensi was, was basketball player size. Yes. Right, yeah. His I mean, wheelchair was just ridiculous yeah, looking. Yeah, right. It was huge. Right. And he said, oh, this is what the Buddha looked like. And that was what I remember. Wow. So by circumstance, I already had known Kensi Rinpoche because yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd helped arrange, I actually arranged for his visa to come to the United States. That's incredible. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The way he came to my house is really simple. Um, I lived in a, you know, uh, uh, this little house in the Berkeley Hills, and it was not particularly fancy. I was not, actually, I was poor. I wasn't particularly wealthy at all. But it had two-thirds of an acre of of gardens. Mm, That'll do it. and, And, you know, our funky house People came, and Trung Rinpoche asked, can, can, can Sam Rinpoche stay with you? And I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, you'd have to move out. Uh-huh. And I said, fine. Okay. And actually, I 
then Trung Perimche and my family ended up in the same house. Oh, cool. And uh, nearby. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And the uh, student gardeners came, transformed the garden, the house, which was funky, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. People borrowed furniture and so on and made it in, look like um, some kind of little cute palace. Oh. It was so nice. It was so strange. Oh. And, and, uh, um, People would come up and 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 meet Kensi Rinpoche there, and but I mean again, what I remember, he's you know, they they set up his bed um, at a particular like, uh, at the edge of our bedroom, and Kensi Rinpoche practiced and slept in the same, you know, there was like a platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there he was did all his work right. He did all his work right right there <laughs> wherever he, he was. Stu- he yeah. studied. It was like yeah, you know. He'd lay down, and he'd sit up, and everything's there. And, and the stories about him just seeing people constantly. Oh, and he constantly, would, He yeah. would never stop. But, and he'd but, fall asleep sometimes and then wake right, up. And right, right. But it was like, you know, ama- you know amazing. And, you know, I, I, I viewed it like the way Trungpa Rinpoche viewed it as, oh, the Buddha is sitting right here in my fucking, <laughs> excuse my language, <laughs> in my house. This, how bizarre yes. and wonderful is this? These stories... Are not story the things I'd read in all these books? Yeah, they are not just history. This is living. Wow, this is this is living. What that even could do here to you. in Berserkly, you know? Yes, totally it, it, right. And uh, I met his uh, is his grandson or was his it? grandson? Yes, Rob John Rinpoche. Yeah, Rob John. I think Rob John Rinpoche was seven, uh. and we got along great. Yeah, and here we are, whatever it is, fifty years later, and. We still get along. Oh, right? wonderful! And, he and, looks and, like a delight. Oh, he is a delight. And yeah. we were friends from the age of seven, and I've oh. seen them many times since then. And it's like he became like his grandfather. Yeah, it's, he's yeah. like this this mountain of a man who exudes nothing but kindness and wisdom. Oh my That's goodness! It, you know? Yes, not. I mean, just. Exactly like he was when he was seven. Wow. But I remember I introduced him to, to Zen. He loved looking at the, at the, I had all these books of Zen gardens and Zen monasteries in, in Japan. And he was so fascinated by that. Oh, that, that's so sweet. I remember sweet. that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. Okay. So, and then the deer would come down? Oh. Or, or there was one particular time? No. It was all the time. Yeah. It was like out of a picture book. Remember Chase, Kensei uh, Rinpoche sitting there, and every morning, I'd never seen deer. Every morning, the deer came down and gathered around like those pictures you see of, you know, Buddha with the deer. I thought this was symbolism. Right. This is living symbol. Yes. This is living symbol. Yes. Okay, Beautiful. You know, one thing I thought that you could probably clear up that I've always wondered that hasn't ever really, I, I haven't even heard a light mention of this, is whether or not Chogim Trumpa tried LSD. Yes. He did. Of course. Okay. Well, it was. it's not been written about or talked about. It has. About. It has where? Uh, In one of your books? <laughs> oh my, where did you put it out? Someplace that, someplace that you haven't read yet. Oh, gotcha. It's in, it's, in the, it's, in, it's in that one. Okay, okay. Can you tell me what you know about it? I was one of his fortunate students that never had to take it with him. Gotcha. And I am really thankful. But I was there. You were there? Yes. I was the, uh, what, what do you call it? The uh, 
Oh, you're like the designated, designated driver. driver. I was the, <laughs> I was the designated driver, right? Yes. I, it, best job ever. Best job ever. No kidding. No kidding. People were so enthralled by acid. Yeah. And, you know, Rinpoche was the kind of guy, he wanted to know what his students were up to. Yeah. So his students smoked dope. He smoked dope. Yeah. That didn't like it. Right. So many of his students, you know, were taking acid. Yeah. And, and, um, trying to equate it uh, with Dharma. Uh-huh. So uh, he, he took acid several times with his students, uh, you know, various of them that were, that were what do you call it, acid um, devotees. Uh-huh. You know, it, yes. it was like, you know, there's like a devotion to, the, to LSD 25. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, what I noticed is people on acid treated him so differently they treated him like a god wow and it was really screwed up mm. and he he i think he took the acid with him he nothing changed about him <laughs> nothing wow. nothing everybody else became somebody else and it was a really interesting thing and he'd always like uh, from the first time and Probably all the times he he had he put a little little um, cardboard sign up, which he turned over on the uh, uh, after the acid trip, and uh, it said "Welcome back." A little cardboard sign that said, he would turn over and say "Welcome back" when they were all landing. Yes, and he would do that each time. Or, uh, each time I was the designated right, driver. Right, I don't right. know each time. I, you That's know, a very but sweet he did it a, detail. He, he did a, he, he did well. Be, 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 it meant a lot to the people because they had gone on a trip. Gotcha. Right? It was and the Rinpoche, most passionate thing to do and in Rinpoche the moment. And was just there. Right. Right? So, uh, you know, that that's the way it was. And the acid thing went away. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it had its time. Yeah. And the devotees... You know, everyone heard the stories of taking acid with Rinpoche and how fucked up they got because yeah. they viewed they 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 confused his wisdom with some sort of some something else. Right. His his ordinariness. Was his ordinariness. Gone. Yeah. They, uh. He they, he became. You know. I mean, part of the thing of being with someone like Rinpoche is how extraordinary he was as a human being, but also how he just did. Very ordinary things, also. Yeah. And uh, people want to mythologize. Yeah. Good luck. Right. You know? Huh. Uh, but. You, you have something in your mind. What, what is it? As an example. He liked to, to play costumes. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, that why? explains the army that he created. <laughs> or yeah, the, or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that doesn't. That's a whole other issue. Right. No, it is. Yeah, I know. But, but, but having. But. But. It, it has to do with showing his students um, how uh, they misview reality mm. based on uh, costumes. Mm. And uh, he used to like to wear the costumes because of what people would project on him, partly. Uh-huh, but, right. But the thing right. is, he was a master actor. Uh-huh. So whatever he put on, he was that. Oh, he would become whatever he's wearing? Yes. With all the this accents is, and stuff too. I don't know about that, but I always I'm I'm I I knew him you know quite well. Uh-huh. We were very close. Yes, and uh, as many of his students were, yeah. and his face changed constantly. He was like 
anybody not know. You couldn't imagine who he was. But it, it just kept changing. There was no, there was no such thing as Trunk Burimbache as a set. <laughs> does not, does not exist. Never existed. Yeah. He was so many things to so many people. Yeah. Right. And you know, just to some of us, he was like king of the universe. Yeah. To others, uh, to other people, he's a drunk. Yeah. You know, etc. <laughs> and he, et and, yeah. uh, he, he, he played every role masterfully yeah you know like um if there was a uh, oscar for uh best actor mm-hmm. boy was he good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know did you happen to be at when when suzuki roshi passed away and chogim trumpo yes. went to go uh, visit the center to speak to suzuki roshi's students I was his when he was in San Francisco or Berkeley and so on. I was always with him. I mean, we uh-huh. actually he also stayed at our family house. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. You know, we we again. We, yeah, you were his. Att- it's, you're listed as one of his attendants at one point. I, I, uh, in Buddhist formal situations, right. I, I I take the role of it. That's what it's called. Sure, you know, and it, that's what I am. I think when my teachers around right. too. That, yeah. that, there's another word for it. Groupie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, totally, you know? yeah. But uh, yeah, I was there. Uh huh. But what do you want to know? Well, I heard that he, that he that everyone was had been very serious, and everyone was there. All of Suzuki Roshi's students were brokenhearted, but they weren't. They hadn't shown their feelings yet mm-hmm. around this necessarily. And and Trump and Rinpoche showed up there and and surprised everybody by beginning to cry. And he cried outwardly, and then everyone else was able to. Um, it, there was a wave of him. But there's a history. There's there's the, the before and after. I remember going there, and again, you have to understand this is not history. This is Sam's subjective sure. view of history. Gotcha. Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And you know, others may have seen it differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know, and I've got the old age card. Disclaimer you know, verified. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember going there. Uh, I think it was George Schaefer and I were were his attendants. Maybe there was another one or two. Uh-huh. And um, it was like. Going, we went to the, the. We were sent to the monks' room, and it was like going to a football locker room, and people changing from their street clothes into their, in this case, their robes and so on, and cracking bad jokes. And oh my and, gosh! What do you mean? Oh my gosh! This is humans. I know. It's just. It seems like. What are you talking about? Well, oh my gosh! Well, no, <laughs> yeah. I say oh my gosh because because it feels like. And maybe this is the difference between Zen and Vajrayana. Maybe. I'm not sure. But it feels like anything where you are over here kind of being yourself, but then, oh, we're going to get quiet and we're going to be the teacher over here and we're going to be the student and the perfect quiet. Well, that's because the locker room is the locker room no matter which situation it is. Yes, it was a boy. So. It was a boys club locker room. Okay, all right. Okay, let's just, let's just put it that way. Okay. And it's a release valve for Zen is the locker room. You have to remember, these Zen students are you and me. Okay. They are not somebody else. Yeah. They, they, they are, and they are, they include cowboys. Yeah. Reformed drug addicts. Yeah. And some college professor types. I mean, sure. Oh, oh, you know, it's a complete mix. Yeah. And it, there's, a, you know, there's a certain discomfort, you know, the, yeah. the teacher had passed. Yeah. And Trung um, was he was like slightly sickened by it. I remember something like that. And he said, let's get out of here. And he says, where can we go? So we went to a little 
tea room about two blocks away from Zen Center and sat down. And Rinpoche started talking about uh, the next Buddha, Maitreya, and how Maitreya would come to the world and uh, what Maitreya would teach in the world. Maitreya is the Buddha of the future for all Mahayana and Vajrayana. It, th- that, is, that is the next Buddha. Gotcha. Chakramuna Buddha is the Buddha of this time. Oh, right. Maitreya Buddha is, is the, the, next. the next. Yes. And he said that uh, people would follow um, a false Maitreya bef- uh, that, that would appear who, who, who taught a Dharma, that which is not Dharma, but was, would be so charismatic that uh, people would follow him. And then after that, um, when that didn't work out, uh, a genuine Maitreya would come, mm. and uh, he would teach uh, the, the real Buddha Dharma for, for the time. And then the world would come uh, to an end. All beings would be enlightened, and there would be no need um, for the world as we know it. And uh, the the end of the world as we know it would come. All beings would be enlightenment would be enlightened, and those who who uh, were confused would also become the enlightenment. Wow. Not be, would become enlightened, mm-hmm. but would become the enlightenment. Right? Why am I telling you this story? This is an amazing. This is an story. Es- esoteric story. No, it's not. He pounded down. He says on we're the table. On He's the table. Huh? We're not going to do it this way. And he w- he went back. And there was a big line of people mm-hmm. to, to pay respects to Roshi, mm-hmm. and uh, we got in the line. They they put Trunk Rinpoche up, you know, up close, and mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Suzuki uh, came over and uh, gave uh, Trunk Rinpoche uh, Suzuki Roshi's walking stick, which he used wow. late in his life. And he said, um, "Roshi, she's crying." Mm-hmm. And she said, Roshi wanted you to have this. And that's when Rinpoche started crying. Oh, wow. And then it gave license for everybody else. Wow. Oh, the walking stick to of all things. Makes sense. Rinpoche had a limp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, and so did Roshi. But just you can keep walking with <laughs> yes. this. Like this is the passing of a baton to yes. allow you to keep the yes. walk. And this is outside of any, re- you know, this is just, oh, yeah. you know, like ordinary. Yes. Right. You have to remember this was not, this was just a man crying. A man crying. The other man's wife saying, this is what my husband wanted. It's just that simple. That's right. But in another way, it's kind of cosmic. Yes, of course. But... What makes the cosmic is how ordinary it is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. How did you feel about, I didn't ask you this the last time, um, how did you, what was your position on his drinking and and did you see it as a, were you having a difficult relationship with, with that as it seemed to deteriorate his health? It's more complicated than you can imagine. Yes. Well, I'm, I can begin to, but our listeners no. maybe not. No. Well, um, he did drink. Yeah, and and he drank copi- copiously. Is that a word? Sure. Yeah, and it was just the way he was, and yeah. is very common for 
Tibetan meditation teachers. Yeah. Uh, and meditation texts actually recommend drinking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the Vinaya of the, of the lower yanas. Yeah. Uh, 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 and and what Buddha said is that no intoxication, right? But the, uh, a tantric view is that it helps meditation and and, and da- so there's and, a dance, some of the ceremonial dances. There's a yeah, beverage but, that so yeah, but yeah. that's not necessarily what the, what it was about with Rimshay. No one knows, right? Right. No one knows. Yeah. But he drank. <laughs> Did it bother me? No. No, because he was always himself, even even under acid or whatever. Yeah. He was just who he was, and there was he was unshakably there. Wow. I mean, like oh, he was always there. Yeah, uh, and uh, but I saw that his health was deteriorating. But he's my age when he passed. Yes, but he was uh, more than a thousand years old. Yeah, it is very right. difficult to to explain um, what he did in that seventeen years was concentrate hundreds of years. So um, uh, his his process of his body and his mind and so on. This is okay. This is a true believer's point of view. Yes, not all true believers, by the way, have the same point of view. Yeah, you know. But this true believer, mm-hmm. uh, fanatical true yeah. believer. Yeah, me too. I saw him age from a 30-something-year-old to a thousand-year-old person. Wow. Uh, and he, he, what he accomplished in 17 short years, I call <laughs> them short years because from this perspective, um, now, yeah. I'm looking at it, it was 17 short years. Yeah. Living those 17 short years was like living a few centuries. Wow. Because so much happened. The level of Dharma activity you read about occasionally historically, you know, being a bibliophile, I under- think I understood mm. what he was doing. He was quickening Dharma entering into a, into a new world. And that can't like that. help but take a toll on a body. It takes a huge toll on a body. Right, right. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You have no... This, from my point of view... I never saw uh, Trungpa Rinpoche do anything for himself. I am the world's biggest skeptic. <laughs> I was always looking for him to screw up. Mm-hmm. And from the day I met him, which is uh, within a few days of when he arrived in North America, yeah. to, to the day he passed, I never saw him do anything for himself. <laughs> you know. So, but you know, and that's before I was a true believer and after. Yeah, both, both. You yeah, know. that's incredible. Yeah. Do you guys want to ask anything? Grab the mic. Tim, hello. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about um, being sick of samsara and having to get to that point. Uh, I know a little bit about your background in terms of in um, the 60s and 70s, and you mentioned you went to Washington, you are very... Um, you labeled yourself as like a Democrat and an activist in a way. He's uh, mentioning the last time you were last on. Last time you were on. That I under, okay. I, <laughs> I'm I, saying he did his I, homework. I'm, That's I'm gonna, cool. I, I'm going to I'm going to pull the old man card down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm wondering how do you square or balance or what is one's role um, as a Buddhist with everything going on in the world right now? and all of the suffering 
And it can be easy when you start down this spiritual path of kind of going inward and wanting to shut everything out, but realizing that that's also coming from a place of privilege for some. And so I guess, um, how do you balance those two of so much suffering and so much pain in the world? And does one see a role in trying to alleviate and help that? Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. Okay. (laughs) You're asking sort of the question of the time. Yes. It makes that much sense. Yes, that's what I mean. So So I do understand exactly what you're talking about, and I have no answer for it other than the way I was taught. First, know your own mind. Get to know your own mind. Awaken your mind so you can see clearly, so you're not just projecting your ideas or someone else's ideas on everybody else. From that clarity, you can benefit the world. And uh, by in, in most simply, by whatever you meet, you take care of it. You don't wait for someone else to take care of it. There's garbage. You clean that garbage. If someone is suffering, you help, suffering from you know, uh, you know, uh, being run over or health issues or poverty issues, you you deal with that. You don't just look and go and walk past it. And it's very easy to become jaded and walk past everything. But by awakening your own wisdom mind, then you can see clearly. And then you can function. The problem with unawakened mind is that uh, it does all kinds of stupid things in the name of being good. And um, I went to Washington D.C. got involved in politics and and all that sort of thing as a very as a young boy and and, and so on. I had a very compact, weird life. You know, and you know, I'm an immigrant kid, uh, poor, poorer than dirt. I, uh, privilege. I had no privilege. You know, uh, so I don't. You know, I know privilege now. We're sitting here in a in a, in a privileged spot, right? Uh, but you know, to me, you know, the little uh, immigrant house that I first grew up in uh, was smaller than this living room, and five of us lived there. <laughs> so. So everyone has their own thing. It doesn't make any difference where you come from. You can help if you're underprivileged or privileged. It doesn't make any difference. This, this thing of privilege is, is, you know, I got beat up for being an immigrant Jew kid, you know, and uh, by, you know, little Irish Catholic boys. One can get over all those things and actually benefit. Like the Shambhala teachings that Trungpa Rinpoche taught were about how to help people. You help yourself first so you can see what is compassionate and what is what, what he called idiot compassion. Just doing things uh, for the sake of edifying your own idea of yourself and your own ego. Actually helping people comes from non-ego. Putting them first, not yourself first. But before you can do that, you have to develop. You have to develop 
your senses, you have to develop your wisdom mind. Then you can be a benefit to people. So there's always this idea of benefiting. But it's not just physical benefiting. Of course there's physical benefiting. But there's also all kinds of, of educational benefiting and spiritual benefiting, etc. So that's very much part of the social vision of Dharma. But Buddhists, just like anybody else, are people. They screw up. Just because you label yourself, I'm a Buddhist, doesn't mean suddenly you're a superior being. And it probably doesn't mean you're ever going to be a superior being, because the idea of a superior being is a joke. The people we view as superior beings don't view themselves that way. I'll tell you that much, okay? <laughs> and um, uh, But one can function from a place of knowing one's own mind. Then you can be of great benefit instead of relative benefit that doesn't really do anything. Just giving someone $5 doesn't necessarily do anything. But we still give the $5. Understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We understand that it's, it's, it's Starbucks, one cup of coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to do more than just $5. We can say, oh, I'm a good guy, I do $5. I'm an anti-woke guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, if, if that isn't obvious. Yeah. Because the woke is not awake. Yes. It is, it is constrained. It's reality according to X number of people you know, who wrote X number of books. Controversial again, I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Here comes... uh, It's still on. Drawl is going to ask now. Yeah, it's on. So, Trumpa talked about giving up privacy, which I'm challenged by. Just me, I'm challenged by that. Um, But in a way that it makes me uh, look at my stuck spots and and push the edges um so i'm in a i'm in a constant observation of pushing the edge of 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 not having privacy um i'm just curious your thoughts on it because i i feel like kind of picking back off what you were talking about with tim i feel like for me to get clarity of mind and check in with the state of my own mind to then serve, I have to withdraw. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the privacy. Privacy and the way, way you're talking about it, it's a natural thing. You don't want others to see everything. I mean, that's what privacy is, right? You, you, you want your own time, your own place, and something like that. What I learned from Trungpa Rinpoche was a little different than that. I was with him for 17 years. He had no privacy. Literally, he had students around him wherever he was, whatever he was doing. So um, it, was, it wasn't exactly like, you know, you, you could see everything. Um, mm. But if you, ha- if, if you opened your eyes wide enough, you could see everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you were embarrassed for sometimes what you were seeing. Mm-hmm. So you block it out, right? But for his, from his point of view, everything 
I have no idea from his point of view, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Actually, from my point of view of what he was doing, he was just saying being human includes all these things. I'd have meetings with Rinpoche in the bathroom while he was taking a crap. I, and, and, you know, it was like the idea of having a conversation while I'm, you know, while I'm wiping my butt was like so foreign to me. But to him, it's like... Right. He was shitting in the bushes in the Himalayas coming out, leading up... Everybody up there, that's what everybody else does. <laughs> right. You have you been to Bhutan, there are no bathrooms sure. except in the five-star hotels. Right. You know? right. Outside is the great poop land, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do I move towards having meetings in the bathroom? No. Taking <laughs> no, no, no. What are you talking about? We did no. that today. On yeah. the way here, no, we no, had no, a no. meeting. Yeah, there you go. No. <laughs> what you're moving to is you have, like all of us, some little dirty packages that you keep hidden from the rest of the world. You know, whatever it is, it's yours. We don't need to know, but it's yours. So you have the idea of privacy is you have this little dirty package and you you don't want this little dirty package revealed. I think that's what's being talked about. I think it would be great, though, if you told us what those packages yeah, right are. No, it would right. be great a podcast. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm but, kidding. But, but, but the idea is um, when you have a relationship with a teacher you can trust, not anyone who says they're a teacher, yes. you know, then it's all about cleaning. You clean your mind. You clean your house. You clean your clothes. And there are no dirty packages left. And that's, there's no privacy anymore. Yeah, see, I think I'm fine with that one. I think I'm okay with that. Of course. It's not, it's not, it's not about, it's, you know, necessarily, it's not necessarily about poop. (laughs) I thought it was about just welcoming everyone in all the time as a meanie as a you're means a, to serve you're not a 60s girl you don't talk like that that's <laughs> great that, well that's, she's basing it on why, my this is why hippiedom didn't work because the ideal was fantastic but in reality what happened was not uh you know it turned yeah because because people are people they have certain things right and they have certain ideals right and 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 then they have a bad trip mm-hmm like that. Yeah. And then suddenly everything is different. I think she's basing it on being in a relationship with someone who has no privacy and has no problem with that. And I'm, I talk to everyone everywhere and I just give my time and, and, and it's all, I don't have a me that's going, Oh, I'm giving my time or I'm tired or I, I'm in this endless state of, of serving all the time. And, and, okay. and it seems reveal, like, reveal. That- so just reveal, your stinky package right here for everybody. What is the stinkiest? What is the stinkiest little little thing that you're keeping there? By the way, mm. nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. <laughs> there right. is the secret that ultimately, whatever your stinky package is, oh, totally. who cares? It's only your stinky package. My second root guru after after Trung Rinpoche passed, by a set of good circumstances, I met a second teacher um, who I could add to my Buddhist training, mm. and um, I his 
one of his biggest teachings was watching him every day vacuum everything meticulously. Constantly, you know, this is a Buddha with um, the Dharma in one hand and a vacuum cleaner in the other. And he's cleaning everything. And uh, then he talks about practice as being the same way as cleaning the floor or cleaning your shrine or whatever. You, Your practice is clean up. Clean up your environment, clean up your mind, and so on. If you do that, good things happen, so to speak. And the good things that happen is there's nothing that's screwed up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bright and clean. And it even comes to, uh, I'm going to be really esoteric here. Do you know what the alaya is? Alaya is, the, is uh, where all of everything that we think, everything that everyone else thinks, um, uh, samsara and nirvana, it's, it's all in the alaya. And every, everything, every thought we have and everything that everyone does comes from this thing. A-L-A-Y-A. Yes. The alaya. Yep. You know, Jung called, the, his idea was the cosmic unconscious or whatever. But the alaya is more accurate. And the secret to awake is whatever the alaya is, it doesn't make any difference. You just clean it. If it's cleaned, that's awake. Mm. So that's why we, as Buddhists, we practice. What do we practice? Cleaning. 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 That's right. That's right. I'm going to, I keep coming back to the ordinary. Great. And it's really just as like holding a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. With your own mind, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You, you know what the dirt is. You know. You're intimate with that dirt. Mm-hmm. You, you know what causes you pain. You know what causes you suffering. Yes. You understand you are a habitual creature. Yeah. Okay, so cleaning is, got, is a three-part process. You replace your bad habits with good habits. So good habits from the Buddhist point of view are like practicing, like you know, uh, making offerings, being kind, all these different things. You you replace your bad habits of, of, of self centered, self centeredness, all these different things with good habits, mm-hmm. and then you let all habits go until there is no habit, and that is called Buddhahood. Mm-hmm. That is called awake, mm-hmm. no habits. Mm-hmm. But it's a process, mm-hmm. and. Bad habits, replace with good habits mm-hmm. until there are no habits. Like Beautiful. That. Like that. Yeah. Void. Last person I, I absolutely wanted to ask you about who's new in our life is Jim Harrison. No, Jim, yeah. Actually, yeah. I know Jim. Yeah, I figured you did. Yeah. I mean, you put out, or at least there's this, there's a pocket. His Zen poetry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And um, what an interesting man. What, right. what an enigma. I mean, he is one of the most. Interesting people I have ever met in my life. You know the guy for the and you knew Chogyam Trumpa. I mean, we're just talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Trumpa. Well, yeah, well, you know this this Swedish guy. I guess we're Norwegian, yeah. whatever the hell he is. Yeah, uh, just uh, he was some kind of crazy wisdom, some yogi or something. Yogi, yeah. Well, he was. He's Zen, yeah, very very deep Zen practitioner mm-hmm. and uh, very he, deeply 
understood about nature. He lived in Michigan uh, part of the year, and then he lived in Patagonia, Arizona. Oh, really? Right on the Mexican border. That's where I that's where I met him, and uh, he was very connected with flora, fauna, weather. All these sort of things. And his art all comes from his connectedness with that. He was a big guy, even bigger than me. And uh, he ate like he was a eating, drinking machine. Really? Like the best wine collection in the world. There was this French man. Uh, he left to Jim Harrison because uh, Jim is the only person he knew that would appreciate it. Wow. You know, and I, I love that refined level of gluttony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was from a from a man who looked like he just like like he had just fought a bear <laughs> in the woods, and he did write this essay that I loved in Esquire about eating a bear claw because once he did. Oh, really? And he was like this wild American man mm-hmm. who was brilliant, mm-hmm. horny, <laughs> hungry, mm. and um, human. Sounds like. No. Extra extra human? Maybe not even human. I don't Ooh, know. Perfect. I don't know. The opposite. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever he was, it was good. Yeah. You know, and I remember I, um, my daughter was a big fan, and and um, I went with my daughter. She was 18 or something at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, can you publish a version of my book that will sit in a pocket next to beautiful women's breasts? <sighs> There you go, honey. Oh, there. You carry this out, okay? You know how, how, how happy that would make Jim? Oh, my God. You know? We just did it. We did it. Let's see. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, we went to Livingston, Montana recently, and he has an imprint there for sure. I mean, it's where... Um, where uh, Anthony Bourdain did an episode of uh, yes. his show there with oh, him. Oh, there was something in Montana as well. Yeah. But the place he loved more than any place else was, I mean, the name of the area is called Patagonia, but it's not It's not that Patagonia. Yeah, it's, right. It's not, American, American. Not the Andes, uh, yeah. Yeah, Arizona, Arizonian Patagonia. Right. It's literally like you can see the border. Oh wow! Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, is that close? Yeah. Well, we they were very Jim Harrison centric in Livingston, and we left with the pocket book. We bought yep. it there actually, yep. which felt like a great place to get it. Yep. And I and I love looking through it, and it's the one that I hand people. They read spiritual books all the time, and so I give them this one. Hey, find something in here, mm-hmm. and then read it out loud. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's a good. Uh, it's crazy wisdom in the way that it jars. It's like, what? That thing at the yeah. end leaves you in suspense. He's great at that. Well, well it's called After IQ, and IQ is, is, is the Zen master that he modeled himself after. Gotcha. The, the, the you know, horny, hungry Zen master. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you for this. This is a two-hour deposit. Well, I'm so given. sorry that it's so long. No, no, this is okay. heaven that it's so long. Okay, and okay. all of it's usable. Okay, really. okay. Um, and I just want to thank you for for doing this a second time. And I, you know, I don't know if there's a time limit on calling somebody a friend or anything. But no, I, no, no. It's all friendships start with the first spark. Yeah. No friendship preexisted. Yeah. Right. 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 They all start with something so yeah. this is how ours started do you actually remember what what did devendra say to you about talking with me originally he said i have a friend 
who would like to talk to you, and he, you know, he wants to record it, and he has a podcast. And uh, what do you think? And I said, if he's a friend of yours, then let's go from there. And that's all it took. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a simple old guy, man. Yeah, come on, well, you know. I know, but you talk to anybody who wants to record. No, no. If it comes from no, the venture, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, uh, uh, is then I'd be doing this day and night, and after about two days. Mm-hmm. I would never do it again. Right, right. Why would, why would I waste my time doing this? Yes. But because it is something uh, ordinary, yes. because we, you know, we met in an ordinary way. Just plugs and transistors. It's just, okay, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. No problem. Yes. It's, I don't need to make... Oh, by the way, he doesn't pay me to do this, cheap <laughs> bastard. <laughs> but I wouldn't if you were paying me. Right. See, Thanks, there's there's man. there's the irony. Yeah. There's the irony. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful to say that this show hasn't asked for money from anyone yet. It's not a subscription thing. I haven't done ads or anything. It's just a complete offering. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. You are my friend. You are my friend. Here we are. Here we are. Watch out. That's right. I'm a dangerous friend. <laughs> Watch out. I'm happy to see you, yeah, rascality, yeah. wherever it should emerge. Okay. Okay, brother. Thank you. Thank you. After being married to him for 17 years, I would still sometimes lie in bed next to him and look at him and thinking, I have no idea who you are. I mean, he was completely unfathomable. You could never really second guess his reaction. His reaction.